How do you find consistency in one of the most high-pressure roles in all of sport? When things do go wrong, how do you figure out what's happened and how do you fix it? What do you do during the long, long days on the road in cities all across North America? What sort of excitement is there as playoff baseball looms and as an Aussie in Major League Baseball? Do you even get the time to follow your team back home? This is Beyond the Lead with Chicago White Sox closer, Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks probably doesn't get the recognition that he deserves in his native Australia, because the 32-year-old is on the cusp of doing something big. The first choice closer for the Chicago White Sox, a closer being the specialised pitcher that a manager will turn to to get the final outs, close out, a tight game, Hendricks and his side have streaked away with the American League Central in 2021 as they seek their first World Series title since 2005. The wheeling and dealing West Australian arrived on the south side of Chicago last off-season after departing the Oakland Athletics and signing a three-year deal with an option for a fourth year for a guaranteed minimum of US $54 million, breaking the record average annual value for a relief pitcher. Not bad. Thus far this season, Hendrick leads the American League and is second in all of Major League Baseball in saves, is limiting opposing batters to a .179 batting average, has a whip, the number of batters he allows to get a walk or hit per inning, of 0.77, and a career-high mark of 14.2 strikeouts per nine innings. However, he's also given up 11 homers and blown six saves, leading to him recently telling the Chicago Sun-Times that he was having a bit of a mixed season. It speaks to something about Hendricks that he's in two minds about what is, for 99.9999% of the global population, a very good season. But that mindset is probably why he's got a $54 million contract and I don't. Well, that and the cannon for an arm. He and his White Sox recently wrapped up a series against his former team, the Athletics, in Oakland. The Sox taking that series two games to one. And, as he joined me from the team's hotel... I began our conversation by asking him how he entertains himself on these long road trips all across America. Uh, so, funny enough, here we uh, we had an off day, so my wife and I and some of the other guys went to Napa Valley, so we got some wines and um, and kind of did it that way. I don't drink, but I went there for the experience in the charcuterie boards. Uh, and then, other than that, like we yesterday, we had to uh, to do pick up some things so I could give some gifts to some of the guys from last year. And then today we actually did a charity thing with uh, our manager, Tony LaRusso. He has an animal rescue foundation out here in the Bay area and they were just opening a pets and vet center. So they were debuting that. So we went to the, uh, the grand opening of that and was uh, that's what we did today. But uh, generally it's a lot of walking around the city, kind of seeing the sights and, and getting ready for the game to start it. Uh, and then we usually jump on the bus around one or two. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche about baseballers having rituals and routines that they need to do ahead of games. I mean, what's yours and does it change when you're on the road versus at home? Uh, the only thing that changes, uh, I do my same pretty much routine. I do, uh, I get to the field up at the same time. I'll bring my coffee. I'll sit there and then I get into the training room and do my stuff there. And then um, I do the same throwing program every day. I do the same kind of everything every day. 
Uh, the only thing that's different is after throwing uh, at home, I'll build some Lego and on the road, I read a little bit because they're too hard to transport. And then after that, it's uh, as soon as the game starts, I'll jump in the hot tubs, cold tubs, and then uh, start getting dressed and ready for the game and head out around the third or the fourth inning. Is this, you have to do this before every game or is there a little leeway if you're a little busy and like maybe you give the Legos a miss or is it something you have to do? No, no, it's, it, it's, it's pretty malleable. It's just one of those yeah. things where I like, I need something to get away from the game really. And so for me, that's just kind of whether I read a, a fantasy book or whether I'm doing Lego and I'm just lost in that while listening to music. It's just a, it's a way for me to just stop thinking about baseball for a little bit and kind of clear the mechanism at, per se. Fantasy. What sort of fantasy are you reading? Sci-fi, high fantasy? Uh, so currently I'm reading a book called Law. Uh, it's a little bit more Greek mythology. Mm. Uh, but before that, it was um, one of my teammates. His uncle is an author, Mark Frost. So I was reading The Paladin Prophecy, which is a teen, like young adult fantasy fiction stuff. But uh, a lot of the time, it's just whatever I can get my hands on. I, I do like the old uh, fantasy where there's elves and kind of medieval times and all that sort of stuff. But I did, I do really enjoy uh, James S.A. Corey, the, um, the Expanse series, which is more out of space and sci-fi and stuff like that so I'll, I'll i'll dabble with a bit of everything but generally it has to be fiction and has to have some sort of main character mm. i mean obviously last year 2020 probably everything got blown up and thrown up in the air with how you could do things but this year 2021 is it getting back to normal now what you're able to do like walk around the cities and that when you're on the road that's getting back to normal for you guys over there yeah, for the most part. Obviously, uh, it's a new team, so we, we stay at some different hotels than we used to, but uh, pretty much open uh, a lot of the places. We went to Canada earlier, and as long as you were vaccinated, you could walk around anywhere. If you were unvaccinated, you kind of got stuck in your hotel room not being able to leave. But um, other than that, and then in San Francisco, because we stay in San Fran rather than Oakland while we're here, and um, yeah, you need to show your vaccine cards to go to uh, to a restaurant. You need to show, show certain things like that, but it varies state by state and it varies pretty drastically. So we, we were in Florida early and you could pretty much do whatever you wanted. And then it's California is relatively restricted, but I, I'm all for trying to get us, get us past this pandemic as quickly as possible. So I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. I'm looking my fully, fully vax self here in Melbourne, looking forward to when I can go out and show my vax passport and do things. Can't go without yep. 5k at the moment, but um, we're speaking your most recent performance was a one, two, three inning to shut the door on the A's um, an American league leading 33rd save on the season. But I did read recently in the Chicago sun times that you're feeling, yeah, having both a good and a bad season simultaneously. Can you walk us through that and why? Yeah, so um, obviously I started off a little poor. I didn't start off the way I wanted to. Then I had a couple, like a good long stretch in the middle where I was doing what I expected to. I was having some success. And then I've hit a couple of road bumps here and there. But I think the biggest thing is uh, I expected myself to come in here and be consistent. And that's been the one thing that hasn't really been there this year. I've been, uh, the, the highs have been high, but the lows have also been low. And there's been no, uh, there's been no like kind of stay along the plateau. So uh, it's hopefully we finish with the high at the end of the season. We can take that into the October. Hopefully we make it and we, uh, we're able to run away with it a little bit, but, uh, yeah, the big thing for me is it's just, it was, it was a little bit inconsistent and that's something that I need really need to work on. And that's, uh, that's the one thing why I say it's like, it's not the season I envision for myself purely based on the fact that I want to be, I want to be known as someone who's consistent, whether it be at the elite level at the, at, at a mediocre level, whatever it is, I want to be, consistent where I'm at and then it's not so worried about okay which which Liam's showing up today kind of thing 
I mean, I, I guess a big part of that inconsistency has been the 11 home runs this season. I think that's the most since you were a Minnesota twin. Is, there, is that just inconsistency? Is there something that you put that down to? I know there's a ton of advanced stat in baseball that you can look at to find that out. What's been your thoughts around that? Yeah, a lot of it has to do with just uh, a lot, like several, probably I'd say about seven of them were bad pitches. Um, seven of them were either bad pitches or bad kind of uh, timed pitches were per se, but uh, there's been a couple where they just beat me and it's, it is what it is. You, you tip your hat at that point. It is what it is, but uh, yeah, it's the ball's been, uh, the ball's been jumping off the bat a little bit more than I'm used to this year. But then again, you look at everything else, every other metrics up. And so it's just, it happens to be when they hit it, they hit it hard. When they don't hit it, they don't hit it at all. It's like my K rate, my strikeout rates up, my walk rates down, my kind of, I think my K, my hits per nine is actually down. I think everything's trending in the right direction except the home runs in ERA, which is unfortunate, but uh, it's part and parcel of the way. But I prefer to be beat by a solo homer than walking the bases juice, that's for sure. I mean, I read a story that your partner, Christy, also told you that you were tipping pitches um, and that's something <laughs> you work on. Is that correct? Yeah, so I um, so I came back from Iowa. I We were playing the Yankees at home in Chicago came into the 10th inning and I gave up a base hit and then a two run homer. And then got kind of got taken out of the game. And uh, when that happened, I'm on the way home. It was like, I'm just, and I'm battling. Like, I don't know what's going on. These guys haven't taken this good a swing off me in a while. She's like, you're tipping pitches. I'm like, okay, do you know what I'm doing? She goes, no, but I know that you're tipping because people don't take that good swing off you. And that was the one thing. So I came to the field the next day, said, Hey, we need to figure something out. Cause something's obviously not right. We were able to discern that uh, there was some tipping going on and, Unfortunately, she was right. <laughs> I guess the case behind every great man is an even greater woman. Oh, I mean, that's about true. Statements never been said. I mean, she's uh, she's the rock behind me, and and oftentimes in front of me, making sure that I do the right things. Just looking at your splits over the past seven days, there's been an increase in your performance compared to the past few weeks. Do you feel as though your adjustments you're making are working, heading towards the postseason? Uh, I think I'm a little bit more cognizant of not an F level per se, but I just lack, like, I, I think I was getting a little complacent because that's what happens when I have those long stretches of success. It's all of a sudden you get complacent. You not necessarily don't put the work in or don't try hard enough, but you just figure it's going to come. And that's when it's, that's the most dangerous time. So this time I'm a little bit more cognizant of making sure that I'm focused on exactly what I need to be focused on rather than kind of getting the outlying efforts going around. But uh, yeah, I think that's, that's been the biggest thing. Complacency is, is one of the biggest biggest killers of me i mean i imagine you're feeling better in these last pitches that you're aware of that can you feel when you're gonna go out there and wheel and deal versus not is there something that feels off when you go into the mounds that you feel you're gonna have a bad day is it after you've thrown a few pitches can you tell do you have a sixth sense for that uh not really but i'm i'm better when i don't feel good because i'm more focused on making sure i get it down the mound so uh if I'm feeling good, that's what I said, the complacency kicks in. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling great. Like, this is going to be an easy one. I'm facing so-and-so in the order. I've done well against them in the past. And then all of a sudden, it, it snowballs and you, you're fighting for your life out there. But um, for me, it's like the last the last week or so, I haven't – there's been some pitches I've felt really good. There's been some pitches where I haven't really felt great, but I've been able to kind of get away get away with it just by making pitches and making sure I throw them in the right location. And uh, and that's what happened, This like, so say last night. It was uh, – I got three one on the the leadoff batter of Matt Chapman. I know I played with him for the last four years, and I know what he can do. So me, it was just trying to throw a pitch right down the, pretty much right up and up and in a little bit. So he's if he's looking away, he's going to jam himself a bit, and 
luckily hit a fly ball to right and we we're able to kind of escape that unscathed. Because we shouldn't come across as doom and gloom because things are going pretty well for the White Sox at the moment. I think you're over 10 games clear in the AL Central, barreling towards the playoffs in your first season at the club since joining in free agency. What's the mood in the club like in the clubhouse like as you know playoffs approach? The mood's been great. Obviously, we haven't really changed mindsets all year, regardless if we're down a couple games in the standings or up by eleven, which we are now. It's um, the mood doesn't change. I think that's one of the best things about this team. They had some issues with that in uh, last year specifically, where it was they had a big lead, they clinched a playoff spot, then they took their foot off the gas and they weren't able to recover in time, like during the playoffs and. Fortunately for me at the time, because I was on the mound when I eliminated them. So now it's uh, now it's the other the other way around, and I'm just trying to make sure that we breed that kind of mantra of it's not over until it's over. We need to make sure that we crush everyone in our division. We may be up by 11, but that doesn't mean that a couple bad series here or there are gonna are gonna make us make the playoffs. And it's just uh, we need to make sure we put it on. And the last week of the season is the most important for us because we need to make sure that we're heading into the playoffs if we make it with a full head of steam. In the event that you do make it, you've pitched in it a few times in the past. For those of us here in Australia, what's special about playoff baseball? What's it like playing in those games? Uh, the atmosphere is just different. It's got a different vibe to it, depending on where you are in the city. I mean, we were in Oakland with no fans last year, but we're in Oakland the year before against the Rays in a game we lost. It was a, one, a do or die game. And unfortunately we lost, but the atmosphere was incredible. The year before was in Yankee stadium. And that was the loudest stadium I've been in. So I can only wait. I can't wait to figure out to see how loud the, uh, the fans in Chicago get during the playoffs if we make it. Um, and yeah, I'm, ex I'm excited for it. But the biggest thing is making sure you kind of control that because the guy that that's where experience really comes through. If you got guys that have been there before, they know what to do a little bit more than, the, uh, the first-timers who can kind of let the emotions, let the uh, the atmosphere get to them a little bit too much. You mentioned all those stadiums you visit. Just interested, outside of your home park, which is, of course, your favourite park that you that you play in, what's your um favourite park to pitch in in baseball? Oh, I mean, that's a few. It all comes down to where how far the bullpen is away because <laughs> I don't like to run that much. So me running in from the bullpen is a little tough. I actually... I actually really enjoy the Coliseum where we're at now because the it's a pitcher's park. They've got a lot of foul ground to get some more outs. The bullpens are close, so I don't have to like jog in so far and then I'm out of breath. So that's like, it's one of my favorite. And the playing surface is phenomenal. Clay does such a good job with not only the outfield grass, but the mound. It's, he does a really, really good job here. So, I mean, it's, uh, I'm partial because I've been here for five years, but uh, yeah, I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of the Coliseum. Just, purely based on the fact that I love to pitch here. It's, it may not be the, have the best facilities, may not have the best kind of clubhouse or anything like that, but the playing surface is second to none. What's your least favorite? Is it somewhere like Coors or somewhere with a short porch? Oh, Coors is tough for me because I get altitude sickness. So it's like, it's not that I don't like the stadium. I think the stadium's gorgeous. Yeah, the location's tough for me. That's, that's the only thing. And then the bullpen's like a thousand feet away, but Detroit's such a long run in because you're about 420 feet away. So that's a long run in. I mean, but uh, there's not too many stadiums I dislike, to be honest. I mean, there's there's certain places where it's not as comfortable as other places. But at the end of the day, you're still in a big league stadium. You're still in a big league crowd. And you, uh, a lot of the places you go to, it's it's you go into enemy territory and you get a chance to kind of do battle with their fan base and the, and the other team at the time. It's, it's, it's something that's exciting to me. And I don't think, I don't really think there's any places I dislike. Also, in preparation for the playoffs, we saw um, as the trade deadline approached, the White Sox added Craig Kimbrell 
um, to to the roster, um, or the club has stuck with you as the primary closer for the ball club since. But behind the scenes, what are the dynamics when you get another, I guess for lack of a better word, silver pack of the bullpen coming in? Like two guys, you're there, you're the big dog, he's a big dog. How does that all work? Oh, I mean, let's be honest. He's a bigger dog than I am. That's for damn sure. That's uh, one of the things. I mean, he's um, he will end up most likely in the discussion or guaranteed to be in the Hall of Fame. And that's not sugarcoating anything. That's just the way it's going to be because of how dominant he was for a decade. Um, but knowing him now as a person, I knew him a little bit off the field as a person. And, like, I loved him before that. Playing with him now, talking to him about pitching, talking to him about the like the process and stuff. It's been fascinating being able to kind of pick his brain a little bit because there's a reason he's been doing it for 10 years. And it's not just purely based on raw talent. It's it's the mindset that goes into it. And that's uh that's something really special. And I think we both came in with the same mindset. We don't care what inning we pitch, we just want to win. And that's that's the mindset we've taken. And and hopefully we can push that towards a ring at the end of the season. Do you teach each other things? Does he teach you things about, you know, pitching? Do you give him advice? Is it sort of that sort of relationship? I like to think I'm teaching him some things, but I really don't think so. I mean, he's he's dealt with other Australians before with Peter Moylan, so it's I'm not even his first Aussie, so it's not even we can do that. But I'm definitely learning a lot from him, and and hopefully he's been able to take a little bit from me. But who knows? He didn't really need too much to begin with. But, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely learning a lot from him just about the process, the way he does things. It's It's – it's fascinating. It's eye-opening, and I can't wait to uh, kind of keep implementing a lot of it. Mm. Of course, as you mentioned there, mate, you're an Aussie boy. You're a Perth boy, even though you have clearly picked up a few twangs of Americana in that accent. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't remind me. Jerseys, but going to Sacred Heart College in Sorrento, playing Aussie rules and baseball as a kid, um, and your dad played footy as well. I think yeah. Do you still keep up with the AFL while you're over there in Chicago. Uh, yeah, I do. It's it's tough because I'm a Kangaroos fan, so that makes it a little harder the last couple of years. But um, other than that, I mean, I keep up with it a lot. But, uh, yeah, Dad played for the the Waffle back in the day, or the West Perth, uh, the West Perth Falcons. And um, yeah, now he's a scout for Sydney actually, so he's he's still involved with the footy, and I keep up with a lot with the game. It's um it's something that's never going to die. I mean, obviously, being in Oakland the last few years has been great because the time change meant that after a game, I could turn on the footy and be uh, I'd be able to watch it on my phone on the bus. But uh, the Chicago time zone means that's all on at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, which is a little bit out of my realm. But, um, yeah, I, I keep up with a lot. It's it's always fun watching games as much as I can. And uh, now with the, the granny being in uh, in Perth, possibly, it's, uh, it's an exciting time for football in Perth as well. And hopefully it's uh, – Hopefully we can get like we get some family and friends to be able to get to that game because I think this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for them. Yeah, well, I mean, Kangaroos fan, as you said, not the best past few years, but there's a bit of reason for optimism. I think the Kangas a few years ahead. Yeah, they definitely did. I think better than a lot of people, a lot of pundits put it out this year. So we're uh, we we're we're trending the curve, and hopefully it just keeps moving forward, and we can uh, we can make a couple uh, savvy draft decisions and and keep the talent that we've got there and. And hopefully we can bring back the shin bone spirit that made him the team of the 90s. Yeah. I won't prejudice by your answer by telling you which footy team I support, but four teams left standing, prelim final. Who do you think wins it? Ooh, uh, I'm actually still surprised the Lions lost, to be honest. Um, I think they I – mean, and we have another sacred heart boy on that team and Daniel Rich. He was a year younger than me, but unfortunately weren't able to pull it off. But it's tough. I think the, Mel, I think the Demons are looking good. I mean, it, it's, t- it's hard to put – to look past the uh 
the guys they got over there and what they've been able to do this season. It's it's pretty special. But uh, yeah, I think that I think the demons are going to be pretty show in. Obviously, for me, I'm hoping Port Adelaide makes it a little bit just to uh, dad formerly worked for Port Adelaide, so they may be, make it a little easy for him to get tickets to the game. So. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll tell you, mate, as a Western Bulldogs fan, I wasn't surprised Brisbane lost, but there we, there we go. <laughs> uh, but outside of footy, I've also read that you have, and I'm going to quote here, an obsession with the Montreal Canadiens. How yes. did that happen? Uh, so uh, obviously being in the States, uh, I was in Fort Myers, Florida, where uh, the twin spring training was, and they have an ECHL team, which is the third rung down. Mm. So it's kind of like Rezies over there in the like um, in the VFL or whatever it is, and um, so we're going to some of those games. And I'd met my wife, or she was my girlfriend at the time, and she's like, "Okay, well, let's go to the hockey. You'll enjoy hockey." So I started trying to get into it, but I really couldn't get into it. She's like, "Okay, you need a team," and so I'm like, "Okay." She goes, "Well, I spent I I grew up a little bit in Quebec City. The Nordiques aren't there anymore, so my team is probably the Montreal Canadiens." And so I'm like, "Okay, perfect. Locked in." That year, they just happened to have a really good year, and it just bore a fan of me. So I have jerseys. I have a couple signed things at the house now. I watched every single game I could. Um, I was doing interviews on NHL Network to try and <laughs> to try and get it going. And yeah, it was an exciting season this year for us. They ended up losing the Stanley Cup Finals, but um, they weren't expected to go very far at all. And just uh, they got a couple youngsters coming up that'll uh, that are looking like they're going to be doing special things here shortly. And I'll won't take up too much more of your time, mate. I'll let you get to your fantasy book before the um you have to get sorted out to other stuff. But I did want to ask you, I know he doesn't play for your side, but just watching along this year, the exploits of Shohei Otani have just been something to behold. I mean, I know you probably don't like it because he's hitting home runs off players left, right, and center in the AL, but for Australians that maybe aren't familiar with baseball, could you just give us an insight into just what he's doing this season and why it's impressive? Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 unbelievable. Obviously, you see what he's been able to do on the field, but there hasn't been a true two-way player in a hundred years. And the last one was, uh, if you've ever heard of baseball, you know who Babe Ruth is, yeah. and that was pretty much the last one. So what he's doing is very Babe Ruthian. Uh, but not only that, he's doing it. He's able to hit a hundred miles an hour on the radar gun while also being able to hit. He's leading the league in in home runs right now and. I mean, he is a he's an all-star player on both sides of the ball. Like that's that's unquestionable. That's if he was just a pitcher he'd be an all-star, if he was just a hitter, he'd be an all-star. The fact that he's doing it at the same time is is phenomenal. But the biggest thing that stood out to me at the all-star game was how just how nice of a human being he is. He was one like so you get there and there's tables and there's tables upon tables upon stuff just for you to sign. So you're just signing balls and signing balls and signing balls. And we were signing balls which happened in the same area. So we started actually talking about anime, which is <laughs> another thing I get into a little bit. So we're talking about Dragon Ball Z for a little bit. And, uh, but yeah, he's just a, he's just a down to earth human being. He's, he's fantastic because that's what you want as the guys who are going to be representing this game on a global stage is just don't be a dick pretty much. And that's pretty much he's, he's living the, he's in, he's, he's, he's a top notch human being. And, uh, it's one of those things where he's just I'm, I'm happy that he's doing it, even though he had a home run off me earlier in the year and we face him in, I think, a week and a half now. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. But, um, yeah, it's just if you want anybody to succeed, you want the guys who are good people to succeed. And he's one of those ones that I think everybody that's ever met him wants him to succeed. Well, um, Liam Hendricks, very much appreciate you joining us um, today on ESPN. Good luck with the season ahead and 
Also, do you have any projects in the works that you're doing? I know you're a two-time Roberto Clemente Award-nominated player. You got any projects you want to give a shout out to or anything? Uh, yes, we're actually doing uh, that. That'll be announced later on. But um, yeah, we've been doing this year. We've been doing a feed the front lines um, thing. So every two weeks, we're making sure we go out and feed. Whether it be uh, we've done some fire stations, police stations, uh, ERs, we've done. Uh, the vaccine sites, we've made sure we've gone into adoption shelters and stuff like this. So this is one of the things my wife and I are both very passionate about is make sure we give back as much as we can. And, and this year we're really focusing on because of the pandemic about making sure that the front lines that they knew that people were appreciative. And that was one thing we've done. And yeah, we're, uh, we're we went to an, uh, an equine therapy place a couple of weeks ago and we we're able to kind of see the way they work with, um, with not only rehabbing horses, but giving horses a chance to, like giving the kids a chance to kind of go through the process of grooming the horse and stuff like this. And it's, it's such, it's such a fulfilling work. We just can't be thankful more than the White Sox have been able to kind of give us this platform that we've been able to use. But yeah, between uh, feeding the front lines and everything we do with animal rescue around the country, it's, uh, it's something that we, we don't really get an off season now. We, we, this is what we enjoy doing. We enjoy the philanthropic side of the game and we're using this platform for good. And hopefully, uh, Hopefully we can, t- can, t- can keep doing that for as long as possible and, and, and leave a good footprint around. Well, Liam Hendricks, White Sox nothing quite Thanks like very much for joining us uh, on ESPN Australia. Good luck with the season ahead. In less than a month's time Appreciate it, Joey. October Thanks for having me. And touch wood for him, Liam Hendricks' White Sox is set to be playing as the AL Central Division champions, it appears. Of course, here in Australia, you can watch Major League Baseball on ESPN and ESPN.com.au's baseball section is your one-stop shop for all your MLB news and views. Beyond that, there are numerous pods you can tune into, including my go-to, ESPN's Baseball Tonight with Buster Olney. Beyond all that, I'd like to thank you for tuning into another edition of ESPN's Beyond the Lead, this time for a chat between myself and Chicago White Sox closer, Liam Hendricks. You can recap this chat any other episode of Beyond the Lead, or any of ESPN's other podcast offerings from here in Australia or around the world, wherever you happen to get your podcasting goodness from. If you're liking what you hear from Beyond the Lead, please be sure to subscribe, give a famous five-star review, and help spread the word. Thanks for tuning in today, tomorrow, or wherever you happen to be catching this, and don't fret, because I'll be joining you for another deep dive into sports as ESPN takes you Beyond the Lead very soon.